If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Betting Across America. We are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchett, your host live from Las Vegas. Your other host live from Denver, Colorado, James Salinas. James, we got breaking news from the National Football League. They informed clubs that uh, COVID-19 outbreaks among unvaccinated players could lead to forfeiting games and also loss of game checks. Uh, so this has just got real in the National Football League in terms of what they want from their players going forward. So from a betting perspective, you got some players out there um, talking about uh, they don't believe in vaccinations and all this stuff. So uh, does that, I don't know, give you pause in any way in terms of approaching the season uh, with this memo being released by the National Football League? When it comes to betting things, any futures, and it comes to betting any type of season win totals, I think that's going to be impactful there. You're talking about a forfeit. Mm -hmm. And does that forfeit, if you were betting a team under, but now they're getting a W, if I'm betting against the Jets and thinking they're not going to, you know, they're not, what was their season win total? Or six, four, six, five, six, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And now it's, they, they're playing said opponent, and said opponent has the forfeit. There's a W for the Jets. That goes in the win column. That's going against me. Uh, yeah, I think you have to tread really lightly and you have to be very mindful of that so just to be able to think well over the course of a 17 game season that's great health is always an impact and we know how volatile when it comes to injuries it is in the NFL for players but now couple that with the potential of having to forfeit and if not only forfeit games I think for players forfeiting checks right. what is that going to look like going forward and uh, the how they're going to I mean last year was just such a difficult year to try to handicap with we saw it with the impact of the team right mm -hmm. down the street from me here at Mile High Stadium with the Broncos. No quarterback situation and said particular game against the New Orleans Saints, I believe it was. So, yeah, any kind of futures bets right now, in particular season win totals or, for that matter, a lot of these things we're talking about, player props, too. It's I think usually, typically for me, anyway, Pritch, it is a week-to-week -week league. I don't do a lot of futures. I don't do them anymore when it comes to because of where I'm at with the the contest and my approach within the, the Super Contest or million contests, et cetera. But yeah, pause for concern when it comes to betting any of these kind of futures, uh, long-term futures for any teams and or players in the NFL. Right. We have Mike Sando coming up a little bit. Uh, James, uh, senior writer for The Athletic. Uh, 
Uh, he's covered the National Football League for a while. Uh, and, and so we're going to get some uh, great information from Mike Sando, too, uh, coming up on this memo because I, I think this is important. You know, you look at the TV deals now, too, James. They just signed. Uh, there's a lot of money that these networks paid up for. And so you think back to last year in terms of rescheduling games and moving them around. But you have this vaccine out there, and uh, the NFL is dropping a hammer here. Uh, not only forfeiting games, unvaccinated players will uh, will cover financial losses or, or the teams that have games canceled uh, because of unvaccinated players will cover financial losses and be subject to potential discipline from the commissioner's office as well. That's in that memo, James. Well, well I think about the extent of not only the, what are you talking about, the salaries and all the, the ticket sales, the receipts. Mm-hmm. What does the gate receipt look like at, at any particular stadium? We know most stadiums are sold out, so 70-plus thousand capacity, some even far more than that, and all the other concessions and everything that else comes with it. I mean, it's 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 high-level speak, right? Not getting into the details of what would that actually – what would that – Actually, what the numbers would look like financially, but high level speak when it comes to, yeah, you're going to absorb and have to have to pay and take care of all said lost revenue. Man, that is there. Like you said, Pritch, the hammer is coming down and we're now into the late part of July training camps, right? Where some streams have already gotten out there on the field, starting training camps with plenty more to come here soon. Lots to think about, lots to have to digest, and a lot more to come over the next six, seven weeks before we kick off this season. Yeah, definitely tread lightly thinking about season win totals or any kind mm-hmm. of future future investments for the NFL when it comes to long-term, long-term gains. I think from a betting perspective, James, we're going to have to track uh, which players are uh, unvaccinated, uh, which, okay, what percentages. I know Michael Irvin had some uh, words about the Dallas Cowboys who you thought their numbers would be higher in terms of vaccination vaccinated players, uh, but this memo coming out, uh, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot more players that are suddenly going to get that vaccination uh, and get that shot just to make sure that they're not subject uh, to the terms of this memo. I, like like you said, like we were just talking about, the hammer is down on the players in the National Football League. It's betting across America. It's presented by Betham Jim. It's Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you right now. Also with us right now, Mike Sando, senior writer, The Athletic. Uh, Mike, long time. How are you? How you been? You know, I've been great. I've been covering the league so long. I covered Mike Pritchard when he was in Seattle. How about that? Late 90s. So uh, we go back a ways. That's right. Tacoma News for being, if I remember correctly, correct? Correct. I'm much better now, Mike, so don't worry. (laughs) Okay. Well, Mike, uh, this memo that just got released uh, here, the breaking news uh, from the NFL, I mean, this is incredible. I I know a lot of players out there from – because, you know, we want to look for ways we can bet on these games, and uh, I don't know how this is going to be interpreted from a lot of players here, uh, subject to not only forfeitures for games, but then also loss of pay, too, because of those forfeitures of of those games. Absolutely. And, you know, everybody responds to money in their paycheck, right? And that's that's the league and that's the players. So from a league standpoint, they have to be able to sell the TV deals. And to do that at the max value, the networks have to know they're going to get all the games. And so that's why it was so critical this last year they played all the games. Then they could do this huge deal. Well, what are players going to respond to if they sort of don't want to do the vaccine or don't want to be told what to do? Well, if there's a real financial incentive to do it, then I think that's enough, that's probably enough for a lot of guys. Mike, and I think this is something that for us as sports bettors, we're going to have to be very, very mindful of, not only for players or for teams from a week-to-week standpoint. So thinking about how this might impact, let's let's move into the NFC. Let's go in particular to the NFC West. I just saw some information coming out from DeAndre Hopkins there with the the Arizona Cardinals talking about, well, maybe I might start to question my, my, my standing in the NFL. So whether it's said particular player and or or particular teams thinking about the NFC West overall. There's been a lot of transition and a lot of turnover, whether it's being certain coaches and or quarterbacks within that division. Where do you stand right now with the NFC West with uh, roughly six or seven weeks before we start the season, in particular a team like the Cardinals that have had a lot of transition, a lot of free agent activity in the offseason? 
Yeah, the Cardinals just have a tough road because I don't know that all the other teams in the division are going to have it go their way and be tough, but I think two of the three probably will, right? The 49ers have been hurt a lot. Maybe they're healthy, right? Seattle's always got Russell Wilson, so look out. They're going to win the division or they're going to be right there. And now the Rams have some question marks on defense with a new coordinator, but really good players. They have a better quarterback now, so it's a minefield in that division. And when I look at that team trying to – uh, put together sort of a all-star team from five or ten years ago. You're bringing in guys like J.J. Watt and A.J. Green, who to me have been great players, but I don't think those are your foundational building block leaders at this stage of their career. Uh, is Kyler Murray that player, right? They've subtracted – is Cliff Kingsbury that coach? They subtracted Larry Fitzgerald. So I look at them as a team with some names, but – What's their leadership? What's their identity? How's it going to go when they inevitably lose some games in that division to tough teams? You know, Kyler Murray, too, he's such a dynamic player, Mike. And I just wonder, uh, the Cardinals, from within, they probably feel like they can build around them, but they're adding older players like you just mentioned. And so it's really not uh, building around a young quarterback, dynamic quarterback, as as opposed to, okay, we need some wins now, and we need to help out Cliff Kingsbury now if we can. Uh, desperation mode, I think the Cardinals will be in in 2021. Yeah, and I don't think it means desperation mode like they're a 4-12 and team, but I, I agree. I think there needs to be – uh, progress for not just the quarterback, but the team and the standings. They're looking for that. So I'm with you. I think it's a very tough division. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm excited about it. I, I really am. I think you've got four interesting quarterbacks or quarterback situations. The 49ers are sort of enigmatic. Um, I love it. I think it's a great division, but it's going to be a hard one to win. So let's go up to the Pacific Northwest then, and let's talk about Seattle and Russell Wilson. And I, I'm, I want to know from your perspective here, we've seen a change when it comes to the offense, a coordinator there in Seattle and heard some things from Russell Wilson in the offseason, tired of getting hit as much as he had uh, throughout his career and so used to seeing Russell Wilson just look like Fran Tarkington of old, skipping and running all around for his life in the backfield there. What do you anticipate the offense with the new coordinator situation coming in for the Seahawks. Do you think we're going to see a bit different style of offense and not as much Russ, let Russ cook back there throughout 17 games? I'm really curious of what they're going to look like from an offensive identity standpoint. Will the Seattle Seahawks be? Yeah, well, I think we know what that offense, you know, looks like. And so there's going to be design quarterback movement and rollouts and nakeds and those types of things, which suit Russell Wilson really well. I mean, he already forces the opponent to be aware of him. Uh, on the perimeter and maybe escaping. So I think that helps. I think the protection scheme, you know, you, you see some six and seven man protection schemes with that, which could help him from a protection standpoint. Uh, I think that offense has not necessarily lent itself as easily to just the pure drop back game. It, it's heavy play action, but I don't think the pure drop back game is necessarily what Russell Wilson has to be doing all the time. Anyway, we know in a two minute situation, he can still take over the game and, and drive his team down the field. I think that'll be the same. So to me, what is most interesting about them is uh, how far do they go? Do they advance further? And what do the narratives become late in the season if, for whatever reason, Russell Wilson has a slump or some of those issues come up? Because I feel like they sort of put the blanket over the fire, but it could come back if you take the blanket off. Speaking with Mike Sando, senior writer, the Athletic. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Sando NFL. Uh, sticking with the Seahawks too, because they won the division last year, twelve and four record too, Mike. Uh, and but yet the odds suggest that they're going to fall off. Uh, I mean, to win a division, they're at plus two eighty. You got the Forty ers as a favorite. Uh, are, are the Seattle Seahawks going to fall off that severely? I mean, I, I thought they were still a pretty decent football team. I think they're still still really good, and I feel. Like, you know, they were 12-4, and four, but because of the way the offseason unfolded with all the Wilson talk, it felt like they were 7-9. and nine. Mm -hmm. and, and, you you know, I don't think they're going to be 12-4 and four again. I mean, that's just a hard for anybody to do. But, like, do I think they're going to win 10 games? Probably. I mean, just look at the track record of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. I think they've helped Russell this offseason. Um, you know, they've got a little bit better picture at tight end. They made a move to help their offensive line. They got Chris Carson back. Um, so I think their pass rush is better than it was going into last year. There, there's more guys at least. So um, I think they're going to be right back in, uh, in the mix. 
and then we'll see at the end of the year what it means. Do they are they one and done in the playoffs? Do they advance further? I feel like if they don't get to NFC Championship game, uh, we're going to have more of the uh, kind of talk in the off season and where's it coming from and is Russell Wilson happy? Mike, let's go to a team that was in the NFC Championship game just a couple of years back, the San Francisco 49ers. And obviously last year, such a tough season, all the injuries, and uh, nobody had more injuries throughout the season, especially starting the season, did the San Francisco 49ers. But thinking about what, off from an offensive identity standpoint, we know what it's going to look like for, for a Kyle Shanahan-led offense. But at the quarterback position, now with bringing in and moving up to go and get Trey Lance in the draft at the number three position Garoppolo coming back most likely fully healthy this season what do you think we're going to see at the quarterback position not only early but barring any kind of injury to Garoppolo do we think we start to see more of Trey Lance as the season progresses in Kyle Shanahan's offense yeah I think that takes care of itself because Garoppolo doesn't usually play a whole season he's only done it once you know the the 49ers uh I think the expectations are unusually high for me. Just like I said, it, Seattle was 12-4, and four, but it felt like they were 8-8 eight eight because of the way people talk about them. San Francisco has won more than six games once in the last six years. You know, Yet it feels like, wow, their over-under was like 10.5, and, and I guess it's a longer season. But that seemed rich to me, and I, I feel like it'll be an upset if Garoppolo goes the whole season. Um, so that'll take care of itself. I think Trey Lance will play um, at a certain point. I think they'll be excited about him and want to play. And Garoppolo, even if he plays decently, isn't going to just, he's just not a lights out type player, right? I mean, he can be efficient. So I think it is going to be a transition season. And I wouldn't want to have a ton of money on the over on the win total because it just seems like there's too many variables with Garoppolo's health and just the overall health of the team. Finally, I find, I found somebody that agrees with me on this one, uh, Mike. Uh, we're yeah. speaking with Mike Sando. Uh, follow him on Twitter at uh, Sando NFL. Uh, I've been saying the same thing. It's like San Francisco is either a losing season or the Super Bowl. Uh, there's no in between yeah. here, uh, and but yet they're getting a lot of uh, respect in terms of when it does come to the odds. I mean, ten and a half win total division. They're they're a favorite plus one eighty. Uh, the NFC plus five twenty five, and then the Super Bowl twelve to one. There, uh, right on par with the Rams. Actually, better than the Rams. The Rams with a new quarterback, Stafford, uh, fourteen to one uh, to win a Super Bowl here for the Rams. Your thoughts on the addition of Stafford to that uh, dominating defense that they have there with LA? I love it. One of the things I love about this off season is we get to see um, we get to separate quarterbacks from their established narratives, right? It was like Carson Wentz is out of Philadelphia. Well, he has to produce on a good team, and you know, you know. Jared Goff's away from McVay, uh, and Matt Stafford is away from Detroit. I love that one. This is the sort of like Carson Palmer late in his career. He got tired of losing in an organization that doesn't have it figured out, and I, he, he actually went to the Raiders and didn't have a great year. But when he got to Arizona and they had a nice, good coach and a good team, a good locker room, all that stuff, the guy was pretty darn good. So I, I expect that to be the case for Stafford. My concerns are um, – it's sort of like if you fire your coach after you go eight and eight, you know, that's sort of what they did with Goff. It's, it's kind of like the bar's pretty high now. You know, they won a playoff game last year. So even if Stafford has a decent year, are they going to advance further than they did last year? I mean, that's still a tough sledding uh, for me. I'm anxious to see it. I'm all for it. I'm sort of glad they did it. I think it was a fine trade, but Stafford's had some injuries. You lose Brandon Staley who had it all going on defense. You bring in uh, Raheem Morris, who I love, and I think Raheem Morris would be a great head coach, but he's a different system, right? It's not. It, it's going to be different defensively, and you were number one uh, on defense. So there's just enough there that I think they're, they're going to be a real fun team to watch, and I'm excited for them with some question marks. So with all those question marks for so for all four teams in the NFC West, Mike, thinking about, to me, it's the, the most competitive division top to bottom in the NFL and may end up just beating each other up all season long. When it's all said and done and we move on to the postseason, uh, we talked about it, the, the 49ers are a slight favorite, plus 180 to win the division over the Rams at plus 190 with the Seahawks sitting there at plus 280 and the Cardinals plus 600. Who do you think when it's all finished and we're ready to roll through to the, to the playoffs, who wins this division in the NFC West? 
Okay. My standard answer for years has been Seattle because I trust Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, and I'm not totally coming off of that. But I think Matt Stafford, with a defense that has been better than Seattle's, um, might be where I lean, real close. you know. And I think Seattle's going to be right there with a chance to win it. But uh, maybe at this stage, I will lean a little bit towards the Rams. How about that? I think the defense, too, kind of speaks volumes right there uh, in terms of that division uh, for sure. And the best chance when you team that up with a quarterback, Mike Sando, covers the National Football League, uh, senior writer for The Athletic, also on Twitter, at Sando NFL. Speaking of which, Mike, uh, I've never seen what's going on in terms of quarterbacks speaking up, wanting to be traded. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, you're familiar with that one, certainly. Deshaun Watson, that situation, and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I mean, these franchise quarterbacks wanting to move and find different locations. Uh, what do you think happens? I, I don't know so much with Aaron Rodgers this year, but but certainly looking down the line, these quarterbacks speaking up more and more. Yeah. Well, I think they've always done it. You can go back to Fran Tarkenton in the 60s, said, I'm not playing for Norm Van Brocklin ever again, and they traded him. So I think the quarterback position has always been the position where John Elway refuses to play for the Colts and gets traded and Eli Manning does the same thing. The difference now really is the money. I mean, I think the difference in pay for the quarterback relative to the rest of the team and even the quarterback relative to the coaches is so great that I think they're empowered more. You know, they can really make it tough on you. I think Rodgers probably plays there this year. Um, I don't think he'll go to camp right away. I think week one he's probably there, but he gets it to a situation where maybe he's going to be traded after the year. That seems sort of like the middle ground to me, uh, and he's out of there. So that's how I see that, you know, and I, I think I think it is a little different than it's been in the past, but it's sort of just an extension of how it's been in the past. Mike, staying in the NFC overall, thinking about the Bucks and the season that they had last year, now a full offseason for Tom Brady and that offense, the entire team as far as the starters back here. Uh, is there any other teams besides the Bucks in the NFC that you can potentially see being able to knock off Tampa and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I think Green Bay could. I think uh, the Rams could. You know, I, I think um, depending on how Seattle comes together, they, they could. I mean, any team that has a good quarterback and a good defense um, certainly could beat them. I mean, I, I, we, we saw some ups and downs from from them last year. And, and uh, if you can get after Brady up the middle pressure, I mean, that's sort of what the Rams are, right, with Aaron Donald. Um, I certainly have a chance. I think the, the Bucks are still the favorite, but um, even when you're a favorite, that doesn't mean that you, there's like a 75% chance you win the Super Bowl. It just means, you know, you've got a 25% chance maybe, and there's still other teams that could do it and, and, and beat them. He's Mike Sando, senior writer of The Athletic. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Sando NFL. Mike, that was awesome. Thanks a lot for your time today. Thank you. Absolutely. There it goes. Uh, Hall of Fame voter, too, uh, James. Uh, and one of the guys is just has a wealth of information. Uh, anything that you can take away from the NFC uh, West in terms of that division based on what Mike had to say? I, th I think his assessment of, of the San Francisco 49ers is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. You talked about it. somebody that finally agrees with you, Prince, <laughs> that you're thinking that maybe the expectations are a little too lofty and that they're going to they're not going to be able to be achieving some of those numbers that we've seen, whether it's the win total or actually winning that division, in the NFC West. All right. There you have it. Great, great information right there from Mike Sando. Come up next on the program. Uh, more media days. The Big Ten. Uh, we break down those championship odds. Come up next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good afternoon and welcome back to the program, Betting Across America. We are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host from Las Vegas. Your other host, James Salinas, is out there in Denver, Colorado. James, the Big Ten, uh, they had their media session. And Ohio State's the favorite, minus 200. Wisconsin, plus 700. Penn State, plus 800. Iowa, uh, plus 900 here uh, for the championship odds there for that Big Ten conference. Your thoughts? I think it's it's what do we take away from last year? I think Big Ten starting later, weird season, games mm-hmm. canceled, games moved around, teams shorthanded with COVID. Uh, it's obviously for for Ohio State being able to pull through there, but really some down seasons, down season for Michigan, Michigan losing to Michigan State. I don't know if we expected anything from Durrell at Michigan State, and they had a couple surprises out there. Just not really sure if I can take much away from last year and ro- roll it over. Over to this year, Indiana had a great season, unfortunately, getting a quarterback position with getting her banged up. But I feel like, you know, with the Buckeyes, it's basically this that says they're going to sweep and run the table based on what their season win total is sitting there at 11. I mean, is this a is this a team lost a lot of talent to the NFL? And we know Ohio State is they're in the they're not there at Alabama when it comes to recruiting levels, but they're not far off it when it comes to just absolutely reloading each and every year. 
Can you find one in here? Is Ohio State, clearly right now, they are the best team in the Big Ten, but can they go unscathed throughout a whole season, especially also one of the other factors we still got to consider, Pritch? We were talking about in the last segment with the NFL and the COVID issues and forfeits, et cetera. That's going to apply to college football because the one thing in college football as well, Pritch, they're not going to have the flexibility to reschedule games and move things around. That's not going to happen to a certain extent like it did last year. So here, I mean, if we're looking at season win totals, mm-hmm. sitting there at 11 for Ohio State, potentially there's somewhere to, it's juiced plus money to the under. That might be where I'd look. I just don't know if that's a team that is going to go unscathed through the entire year. No, I agree with you on that one. Uh, 11 games, that win total is lofty right there. And the minus 200, I'm surprised at too, uh, only because Wisconsin's plus 700. Uh, I think Wisconsin's defense is good enough or will be good enough to be competitive or at least try to win a championship within the Big Ten uh, conference there, James. And, and so can they get it together offensively, talking about Wisconsin? Because of COVID last year, the development of the quarterback, that system as well, uh, maybe they missed out on that, but they had spring ball come back. So I think with the defense and the players that they have on that side of the ball gives Wisconsin a competitive chance uh, in this conference to me. Yeah, and the question will be the offense, and we didn't see any of it last year. And just, again, hard to take away what we saw last year and apply to this year with so many of those teams in the Big Ten. But thinking about digging into their schedule, you know, they're going to have, for the most part, the games, their tougher games are going to be at home. They get to host Michigan. Uh, They are going to host Iowa, and Notre Dame is going to be a neutral site. But their road games, really, as far as maybe going on the road at Purdue, that's – at Minnesota, are those te- those teams aren't going to be where they were last year. I think potentially, Pritch, to your point here with Wisconsin, schedule shapes up pretty favorable here for the Badgers. Yeah, one of the better home field advantages, too, I think, if they can get everybody back there, the students. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking for Wisconsin to rebound that way. Plus 700. I'm surprised at that one, though. Uh, but I'm not an odds maker. <laughs> so, I mean, Ohio State, they're going to have to replace uh, a, a phenom at quarterback. Uh, which they do that. I mean, they always recruit the best athletes uh, in the country. That's, that's uh, without a doubt. Ohio State will be stacked uh, with athleticism. It's just uh, can, they ha- can they put it together? Do they have enough time to do that uh, with Wisconsin breathing down their necks, though? And that's just it, too. You talked about fields and not being there. Not only his talent, but they, we know how tough he was and suffering. It's getting tagged the way that he did in the semifinal game against Clemson, playing through it. It clearly impacted him in the championship game against Alabama. But just that toughness and that leadership that he brings, yeah, you can replace a lot when it comes to talent and plug and play with with the reload and the, the quality of, of recruits that they get there at Ohio State. But leadership takes time. And just plugging somebody in to say he is going to be now the new leader in the face of at least on this side for the offense for Ohio State. Big loss with Fields. So I, I look at it. I'm kind of. A, I, I agree with you too, Pritch. At plus seven dollars mm-hmm. for Wisconsin playing out of the West. I mean, we're going to see regression out of Northwestern. Iowa's, Iowa. We know what Iowa is. I think that's probably the showdown. Wisconsin yeah. versus Ohio State. You get them plus seven hundred. It's much better now than what it'll look like. You make it to that Big Ten championship game. Yeah, we had Alabama at only minus one sixty-five to win their uh, conference. Uh, Clemson was minus nine hundred. Ohio State minus 200 right here. So uh, a lot of uh, variance here in terms of conference odds, championship odds uh, to begin the season, uh, which is right around the corner. Look forward to that college football betting guide. Only $19.99 right here at vcin.com slash subscribe. Uh, Coming up next on the program, AFC East receiving totals. It's coming up next. VSIN football betting guides are coming soon, and there's no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Each guide is only 20 bucks, and discounts are available when you buy both. Now is the time to reserve your copy or sign up for VSIN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. 
Sign up now at vcin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you uh, today. And, and James, the always exciting receiving uh, yard totals here. I love them. And we're going to do the AFC East here. Stefan Diggs could have a monster year. Uh, we talked about Josh Allen already. Uh, you got Emmanuel Sanders. They, they, got, they got some weapons up there now, up there for Buffalo. Stefan Diggs, 1350 and a half receiving yards, uh, eight receiving touchdowns. Diggs. Uh, mm-hmm. First season in there, no offseason to speak of last year for Stefan Diggs, moving to a new team, a new quarterback, a new system. Well, it didn't take him long, did it? He was he was unguardable. He was unstoppable in that offense, and he's a ter- tremendous player to begin with. And then they really, as the season progressed, really found other ways to be creative. We talked about that before with the, the offensive system there with Brian Dable in Buffalo and the maturation and the growth of Allen at the quarterback position and all the empty sets and just creativity out there for Diggs. He had 127 catches, 166 targets. Mm. Pritch, I mean, basically getting 10 targets per game. Uh, are we going to see regression? I don't think so. He's a talented receiver. That offense is only going to continue to get better. Now you have a full offseason to to even, you know, plug some more pages into the playbook and find other ways for for Diggs to get out there and and get mismatches. I think that's the biggest thing. They went five wide and had good protection with with Allen making good decisions and being accurate with the football man that's a that's going to be tough for defenses to contend with again this season even tougher than last season so yeah I mean as far as Diggs is concerned he's a he's a tremendous player and uh, found an offense totally suited to his talents too and only it's only going to get better for him so as far as those that that yardage total for him is concerned for Diggs I can't I'm there'd be only way for me to go last year with the amount of receptions 127, mm-hmm. 1,500 yards plus? Oh, make it the over for me with Diggs. He's yeah. got a great season. I mean, add the game, the extra game there too, and add Emmanuel Sanders who, you know, some people will say, oh, he's going to take away targets from Diggs. And I'm, I'm like, no. I, I think what Buffalo is going to do is they're going to move him around, which they already do. Uh, they're going to move Diggs around the offense, whether he's going to be in a slot, strong side, or weak side, single side receiver, uh, which makes him more dangerous because you can't, focus in on him as a defense so you got to play true to what you do so the addition of Emmanuel Sanders I think helps out Diggs I agree I I think with with the way you talked about it with Diggs being able to move him inside and outside of the numbers so many different formations just going to take advantage they clearly did it they did it It was a work in progress as the season progressed Mm -hmm. for the Bills and now again this full offseason I think that's just something we can't if we're we're looking for how teams and or players performed last year and in particular for the offense with the Diggs coming over not having that time and offseason time to work through things no preseason games to to get acclimated to your new your new teammates your new quarterback your new system man Diggs would just they they hit it off right away it's only going to get bigger and better he's going to have again I think the Buffalo is going to be tremendous offensively and Diggs is going to be a big part of that Pritch how are you looking at Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle and their totals receiving totals because Waddle's at 724 and a half uh, five and a half receiving touchdowns, James. And then uh, Devontae Parker, he's at uh, 7.99 and a half uh, receiving yards. I think they, there's there's only so many footballs to go around. Plenty of opportunity. There are plenty of talent out there at the wideout position, but is that going to be the focal point? Is that what it's going to look like? We're talking about yardage, so you're wanting some some bigger plays, some explosive plays, not just everything short and yards after the catch. And they have the ability, does it both at, both with Waddle and Parker to make plays with their feet. But yeah, what is the offense going to look like? You were talking about it earlier uh, in the first hour with the you know the co coordinator coordinator piece and what that's potentially the identity of the of this offense going forward and the limitations with Tua with his his ability to push the ball down the field with any velocity and accuracy and the fact that they're probably going to need to run the football and I think with Gusecki at the tight end position I think maybe they may he might be featured more big target there six foot six 250 has good hands uh, was able to he got targeted 43 times when Tua was on the field 
last year. That might end up being more so the way to go there with Gusecki. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has the ability to be physical after the catch, too, and I think maybe that might be Tua's whoopee right there as his <laughs> go-to check-down guy is Gusecki because I just don't think the the Dolphins in that offense is going to be this, yeah, we're going to be bat, you know, dropping back and, and slinging the ball all over the field, a lot more under center, right? To your point, too, you talked about it's more play action coming from the Miami Dolphins and not sure if I really trust Tua to not only be able to get it down consistently down the field for big plays, but also stay healthy for 17 games. Might be looking more so. If any of those players, you talked about Waddle, you talked about Parker, mm-hmm. I'm saying Gusecki might be the one to say that might be the target to go over his yard total. Yeah, 675 and a half. I mean, what what is that average per game? Uh, quick math. Is it about 47 42 yards a game as a receiver or a tight end for 17 games. I mean, that's doable, right? And I, th- I might be high well, on that estimation he's, too. He's good, and I think so. Yeah. And I think for Gusecki, he's has the ability to make plays and after the catch break tackles. Cause he is such a big, he is such a big body out there and he's a good athlete. He mm-hmm. had this, he had the speed. He had the, you talk, think about the combine and all those things for whatever it's <laughs> worth. His, his, you know, his, his speed, he has the speed there, but also, you know, leaping Billy, he's a good athlete. He's got good hands. He's strong too, six foot six and it's all strength. He can break tackles. And I think that where you're trying to get 40 plus yards per game, I think that's where, again, Tua and his be needing to check down. That's probably going to be his ultimate. That might be, forget about his check down. That might be option one and option two in so many plays. I mean, come on. I, I, I think I could go out there and catch an average 40 yards a game at this point. In today's NFL, are you kidding me? No. I mean, just yeah, no under 40 checks, yards right? You can't get game. up there. You can't. You can't you can't get jammed anymore. You can't right. hit anybody. Uh, you have to lay out. Yeah. So not only from getting off the line, getting clean breaks off the line, but you know for well, you're going to have the ability to break tackles because guys just aren't allowed to hit. And and so there's we do see a lot of missed tackles and broken tackles yeah. because guys are very conscious. Not only have cost their team 15 yards, also gets them fined. We're talking about going into their pocketbooks too with leading with the helmet and all these other hits that are deemed illegal now in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to look at these receiver numbers and say, yeah, I want to go under. Yeah, either uh, you know that's more difficult than we're leading on, or Tua is, is he's going to stink this year. I mean, that's ridiculous to me for these receiving totals right there. Uh, coming up next on the program, we got the NBA championship to discuss about next year, uh, as well as uh, some more thoughts on the draft. Uh, JVT's joined the program. All that more coming up next right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired, and now 
every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bet without fear on your favorite sports with a risk-free first wager up to $600 at BetMGM. Just sign up using bonus code VSIN600 and get in the game with the king of sportsbooks. Once again, it's promo code VSIN600 to make your first bet risk-free up to $600. It's a new customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Washington, D.C., Virginia, or West Virginia. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, 800-522-4700. In Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C., 800-270-7117 for help in Michigan. 800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line, 800-889-9789. In Indiana, it's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the show, Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas, your host today, and happy to bring on to the program right now Jonathan Von Tobel, VSEN Senior NBA Analyst. JBT, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yes, basketball season's over, but basketball is not. It's the summer of basketball, mm-hmm. Olympic hoops, summer league, and then October will be here before you know it. Huh? <laughs> I know, right? Right around the corner, really. Uh, yeah, NBA Finals deep into July. Go figure. But uh, we do have the Olympics, JVT. I-, I think I saw on Twitter where you know people are are going to kind of eat their words a little bit about doubting Team USA with the exhibition games. They're minus three fifty. Uh, I suspect that you're all over uh, Team USA when it comes to the Olympics. Yeah, you know, in terms of the price, Pritch, you know, if we're getting under $3, I think that's worth investing in right now. But for me, it's going to be on a game-to-game basis, potentially finding ways uh, to bet on the the Americans. And I I think my overall thing with the Americans has been just pushing back, you know, when they, um, after they lost to Australia, Mm -hmm. I actually, there were tweets like, hey, they're not even going to medal. Like, this is a problem. They're not going to finish in the top three. And and I'm of the, like, hey, pump the brakes. This is still the best team uh, of all the teams. I think there are teams which we get into that are very live that I like a lot that are their biggest threats to a gold medal. But I think at the end of the day, if the Americans win gold, it's not going to come as a shock because they're a massive favorite, but everybody who thought the sky was falling because they lost two friendlies after barely putting a team together. I think you can relax a little bit. I think the Americans are going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. JVT, so talk about that. Think about aside from USA basketball, and we know it's a team sport, takes time, you have chemistry, you have a few guys that are still, we're not sure when they're going to get to Tokyo, that were just in Milwaukee the other day, we were talking about Booker and Andrew Holiday, and Middleton is part of that roster. Thinking about the roster for some of these other teams, because internationally, when you talk about international basketball, these are guys that have played together for a long time, and so they have that chemistry on the court. I'm looking at numbers here to win the gold medal with Australia, plus 
750. Spain plus 900. France plus 1500. Do you have any interest or do any of those teams and or numbers interest you as a potential upset for the gold medal in the Olympics? So uh, out of all the teams, if we're talking that aren't the Americans, James, the, the one that I like the most and the one that I have a future on is the Australians. The, the boomers are really good, uh, but the market has adjusted. Uh, there, was a, there was a shop that fell asleep a little bit on these numbers. I got them at 20 to 1 to win a gold medal, and now they're in the range of 750 or 7 to 1, depending on where you look, and that's an adequate price. If you look at what the Australians have, you know, names that people will recognize, Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, Matisse Thibel, Aaron Baines, this is a quality team in terms of NBA players, there's shooting, there's defense, there's cerebral play. It's a really, really good squad. And it's a squad that has consistently gotten a little bit better and is pushing for their first medal. But it's beyond that, right? It's Josh Green coming off of an up and down year for the Dallas Mavericks in terms of his rookie season, but a quality player. College basketball fans will remember Jock Landale. Jock Landale, really good basketball player, just played 41 games for Melbourne in the NBL. And in those games, 16.4 points per game, 54% shooting from the floor. He's improved as a shooter as well. So there's some depth and some quality pieces for this Australian team. I, I like them a lot. And so, you know, at 750, I think those numbers are right on. If you can shop for anything a little bit more and like over eight to one, you know, they're a lot of books out there that are offering these. If you can find a book that fell asleep a little bit on the odds like I did, it is worth looking at. There's also other ways to attack it, right? In terms of, you know, uh, there's a, some shops that offer index props, um, best finish outside of the Americans, right? Taking the Americans out of the equation, the Australians should be the favorite there and worth looking at. But I think at the top of the list, the boomers for me are, are the biggest threat for the Team USA to win gold. I like that team a lot. See, that's interesting to me because I, I was wondering as a better, uh, how do you get there? betting against, uh, or not betting against Team USA, but you're looking at prices and you're looking at different countries, even though it's the Olympics, right? I mean, we're mm -hmm. supposed to be allegiant to the United States, but not really uh, when it comes to cashing tickets. I was going to say money over country, right? Money, <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's exactly right. how it's supposed to go, Bridge. But no, and you know, I think this is, I can see where you're going, right? And remember, we, we got to remember the format too. We should point this out. You know, there are three groups. Uh, mm -hmm. The top two teams from each group will make it. And then the two third, the best two place, uh, the two best third place teams will get in as well. And then it's not seated. It's actually drawn. There will be a draw in terms of the knockout stages. And that's how they will form a, uh, formulate the bracket. So a, a friendly draw could really help you out in any one of these future cases, Bridge. But I think if, if you get a friendly path here for the Australians, that is one that you're going to find yourself, if you have a very good ticket on them like I do at about 20 to 1, in a gold medal game against the Americans, you can get off it anyway, work with something in that range. So that's always part of it, too, in terms of their, uh, in terms of the approach. But the Australians, too, I think are going to be a bet on team kind of as they move forward, especially when it talks about group play, when you talk about if they do run into the Americans in the knockout stages before the gold medal games. It's a team that the market was a little slow to catch up on when these odds were first posted. And so maybe this is going to be away as we go game to game here to kind of get something back here with the Australians as well since the futures market has moved on from them is to look at them from an ATS standpoint on a game to game basis because they are a very quality team and the market seemed to be pretty low on them early on. JVT, thinking about luck of the draw and the ping pong mm -hmm. balls or however they do the, the draft lottery in the NBA. That's going to transpire a week from today, I believe. And thinking about the Pistons, they got the luck of the draw and they will be drafting and the odds on favor to go number one in the NBA draft is going to be Cade Cunningham. It's, it's 5,000 to one. We can skip over that. We know Cade Cunningham is going to go to Detroit, but then it gets a little more interesting as we go to pick number two with the Rockets or pick number three with the Cavaliers and so on. Have you done anything with the NBA draft? Have you made any plays when it comes to certain players going to certain teams or drafts, draft position when it comes to said particular team early in the draft? Have you had any plays in the NBA draft coming up next week? Are you looking to make any plays come draft day? Well, James, this is where I wish I was in a market like yours, um, because uh, there were quite a few things in these draft odds when they first got posted in places like DraftKings that were off and incorrect in my mind, uh, and the market has corrected them. You know, one of the biggest corrections that we have seen, and I think that is correct, you know, Evan Mobley, when these numbers first got posted, was the odds on favor to go second overall to the Houston Rockets, and that was something I just didn't agree with at all. I think Jalen Green is probably going to be the guy there. You mentioned it. Kate Cunningham spent some spots as high as minus 8,000 to be the first overall pick. It just makes sense. 
sense. Everything in terms of the tea leaves pointing in that direction as well. Um, again, don't know if Kate Cunningham is this big. There's this big of a gap in terms of him as a prospect, but it just seems like that is going to happen based on all the information out there. But a Jalen Green going to Houston, still a price under $2, I think is worth laying. If you look at just Houston, right, again, uh, all of this stuff is important, whether it's information. But remember, construction of front offices, that's important too. This Houston Rockets front office still has a lot of people in that front office with ties to Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey is a guy who is not going to spend a first pick like that on a big guy, right? You're going, you, and you just look at the roster. The backcourt is decrepit. It's geriatric. It's old for the Houston Rockets. They need some youth infused into that roster when it comes to their backcourt, right? John Wall, Eric Gordon, two fine players, especially when they're at their peak. But right now, you need something more, right? And when you look at the way that this is constructed. So I think that Jalen Green makes all the sense in the world for the Houston Rockets. So, you know, upwards $2.250 in that range, I think, is still worth laying if you're looking at Jalen Green to go to the second overall pick. And I think these odds are really, at least for the first, second, third overall pick, are pretty apt. The fourth overall pick is where it gets interesting because we have these rumors that Pascal Siakam could potentially be dealt. And if that is going to be the case, right, you're looking at a Toronto team where one of the risers has been Jonathan Kaminga. Scotty Barnes has been thrown into the mix as well. And the Toronto Raptors could go for a wing potentially if they're going to get rid of a Pascal Siakam. We don't know. I think at this point right now, the Toronto Raptors still need a true point guard. Fred Van Vliet is a fantastic player. He's great off the ball. He's a phenomenal shooter, but they don't have anybody that can lead that point of attack. Kyle Lowry is going to be free agent. And what better way to move on from Kyle Lowry than to draft your point guard of the future, which would be a Jalen Suggs type. And you can see Jalen Suggs in the range of about $1.40, $1.50. That's a price worth laying to there for the fourth overall pick. But uh, I'm still a little jaded because out here, uh, we didn't we don't really have much in terms of the NBA draft market. And when I saw Mobley as an odds-on favorite, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the light bulb went off and I was like, like, yeah, man, if you can go and you can get green at a plus price to go second overall, and you could have, but uh, that adjustment was fixed. It was it was pretty quick. Yeah, JVT, we do have futures about the championship next year. You mentioned it. October is going to be right around the corner. Yep. Uh, two players that could opt out. I don't know what's going to happen, Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if that's going to affect things, but uh, how are you thinking about next year or this later this year in terms of uh, the futures market uh, with these NBA teams? So I look. I think we should be clear, Pritch. Uh, they're they're going to opt out, right? Doesn't mean they're leaving, though. Right. I think Chris Paul uh, opting out to probably spread out a little bit more money over three years. He's going to lose a little bit on the front end, but he'll do it to get a little bit more on the back end, help the Phoenix Suns. So I would expect that he opts out, but then returns to Phoenix. Same thing with Kawhi opting out of the deal, get a little bit more money, and then going back to the Los Angeles Clippers. So I think with that in mind, really the big domino is Damian Lillard and whether or not he can fall. And that changes, I think, you know, if you're talking about the most logical place for him to go, it would be the Philadelphia 76ers. So that changes the landscape in the Eastern Conference. It changes the landscape to the futures market, right? Because right now, the second best team in the Eastern Conference from an odds perspective is the Milwaukee Bucks to repeat at about eight or nine to one, depending on where you shop. So at this point right now, you know, it's never, I, I never really want to invest in a future until, unless I see something that is really off market. But I will say this, you know, looking around at some of the futures and seeing the respect or lack thereof for a team like a Denver Nuggets, the FanDuel's got them in the range of about 25 to one, 28 to one, something like that. That's that's worth investing to me potentially for a Denver Nuggets type team. We, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Jamal Murray, likely not available at the beginning of the season, but I loved that Nuggets team when they were fully healthy, and they will be by the time we get to the postseason next year, you would expect. Yeah, he's one of the best out there. Jonathan Von Tobel, V-Sense Senior NBA Expert. JVT, that was awesome. Thanks a lot for your time. Always appreciate it, guys. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Take care. James, that'll do it for the show today. Great job. Uh, flew by. Time flies when you're having fun, <laughs> Pritch. Hey, we got those baseball games tonight, three games, and good luck with your in-game wagering in Major League Baseball tonight, Pritch. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Cannot wait to tell you all about it. I'll probably mess it up, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, that'll do it. My guys in the desert coming up next right here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.